أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين. So this is a final day, inshallah. Yes, we're going to conclude Surah Al-Fatiha, and uh, the idea here is that we're talking about Surah Al-Fatiha for such a long time because it's a very deep surah, right? A lot of things to learn, and although there was a week apart, I hope you remember the previous lessons because. Like my objective was for you guys to get this deep understanding of Surah Al-Fatiha so that when you read it in your salahs, it all comes back and it all refreshes you and it all makes sense to you. And this way your salah can become enjoyable. You can enjoy, يعني, understand what you're saying and it has an impact on you. Okay, so that's really the objective of Surah Al-Fatiha and doing it. Um, and if you want on YouTube, there I have a like a two-hour reflection on Surah Al-Fatiha. It's available on YouTube. You could just look at my page, uh, Falaq TV. Just search F-A-L-A-Q TV. There is a playlist called Quran Nights in that. I've done like a reflection on every single surah in Juz Amma, you know, the last juz of the Quran. So part, uh, but I started that with Surah Al-Fatiha and I did this last year. So it's there as a, uh, you know, uh, on YouTube. I don't have any hair in that video. So I'm, I'm shaved, like shaved head. But um, it's about two hours, right? So if you want to go back to it and refresh, it's you can always do that. So last year we uh, last year last week we covered Sarat um, al-Mustaqim. That was the good group, and then there's two bad groups, right? Sarat al-Ladin are the good group. Ghair maghlub alayhim is the bad group. Waladhalin is the other bad group. So. Who, uh -huh. We didn't do Dhalin, so we're going to do Dhalin today. But just to refresh, what was so special about Alladina and Amtalim? What made them so special? What made them the good group? It was two things, if you remember knowledge and action. Do you guys remember this or no? I don't think no? Okay. So. If you remember, the first part of Surah Al-Fatiha was what? It was knowing who Allah is, right? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Rahim, Malik, Yawmiddin. Okay? If you know who Allah is, if you know how merciful He is, if you know how loving and caring He is, and if you know how fair He is on the Day of Judgment, then you are bound to do what? To accept being His slave, right? You accept Him as your master and you willingly, like you willingly want to become His slave, right? No one's forcing you to. No one's, no one's, uh, you're not doing it out of hatred. You're doing it out of love, okay? That's what naturally happens when you know Allah. So, is like the action you take. Like, I'll give you an example. If I keep telling my wife, I love you, I love you, I love you, I really, you know, you're like my sweetheart. You're my exactly. It's not enough to say. Ya Allah, alhamdulillah, right? You gotta prove it. You gotta take some action. I have to take her out for dinner. I have to, you know, spend time with her, buy her gifts, um, you know, help her with, with the kitchen, help, help her with the kids, right? I have to show with action, okay? So, so knowledge alone is not enough. You need action. So, iyaka na'bud wa was the action. Oh Allah, I want to become your slave, but I need your help also. Remember that handshake? Then, what is the number one thing we need Allah's help in? Is guidance. Remember I told you the guidance is the most important thing? It's a GPS. Because without GPS, you're going to get lost. You're not going to know where to go. And without a GPS system, your life is going to be difficult. Right? Do you want your life to be difficult? No. We all want success. We want ease. We want happiness. We want peace. Right? This is what everyone wants. And so Allah says, follow my guidance, you'll get all of these. If you, do, if you choose not to follow my guidance... It's up to you. You're free, right? But what's, what are the consequences of not following guidance? Your life is going to be tough, difficult, misery, suffering, pain, poverty, disease, all of these negative things. And then, you know, human beings, when they face these negative things, what happens to them? They start blaming who? No, very few people blame themselves. Most people, they blame Allah. What kind of God is this who's making me suffer? Why am I always poor? Why? How come I'm sick? How come I'm going through all these you know, family problems, wife problems? They blame shaitan. They blame destiny. They blame all these people around them. But who do they not blame? 
themselves, right? But who, correctly, who are we supposed to blame? Ourselves, because Allah has given us freedom of choice, right? And that's so fair out of Allah to give us freedom of choice to choose. You want the path of guidance? This is it. It's also known as the path of light. Another word for the Quran is nur. One of the words, one of the names of the Quran is huda, which means guidance, the guide. And another name is nur. It's light. Why? Because with light you can see. Without light, what happens? Darkness. You can't see. You're always afraid. You're always worried. You're always afraid of the unseen and the unknown, right? But with light, you're comfortable. You feel, you feel good about it. Okay? And so, Salat al-Mustaqib is the path of light. You see everything clearly. And it's the path of knowledge and action. Knowing Allah and acting like a slave. Because so many Muslims today, they, they claim that they are slaves of Allah, but do they act upon that knowledge? No, right? There's so many Muslims who say, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, but they're not acting upon the knowledge. Now, what does it mean to act upon the knowledge? It's to live a life of a slave. Okay? Now, to summarize what, how to prove that you really are a slave of Allah is, is two words, love and obedience. Okay? Loving, or, or if you want to make it even one statement, loving obedience. Because obedience is the key word here, right? What makes you the slave of a master? It's obedience. The moment you say, I will not obey this master, you're not a slave, right? And part of slave, if you remember that, yani, Allah is the owner, right? Therefore, you as a slave, do you have any right to complain? Do you have any right to say, no, I don't feel like doing this? Or, no, I need to rest. I, no. You're, and do you get paid to be a slave of Allah? No. There's no salary. Yeah. So it's not like a housemaid, right? A housemaid, you, you hire her. She has limited work timing, صح? She works, let's say, from 6 in the morning till 8 at, at night. And she gets a salary. And she has limited responsibilities, right? She's, she's supposed to, okay, clean the dishes, do the laundry, take care of the kids. But you can't tell her to wash the car. Right? That's someone else's job, right? Or no? You can't tell her to drop the kids to school. She's not a driver. So she has specific responsibilities. But as a slave of Allah, are there limits to our responsibilities? Or is it unlimited responsibility? Unlimited. Allah wants our entire life. He wants you to be a slave of Allah when you're in school. He wants you to be a slave of Allah when you're in your room alone. He wants you to be a slave of Allah when you're with your friends. He wants you to be a slave of Allah in the masjid. He wants you to be a slave of Allah when you're traveling. Every part of your life, there's no like part-time slavery, right? You can't say, okay, I'll be, um, you know, when, when, uh, when Isha prayer comes, I'll be his slave. And then after that, I'm going to say, Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah, and I'm free. You're constantly what? Under the slavery of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? So it's full-time, it's a full-time job. Even when you're sleeping, you're a slave of Allah. And that's what Allah wants. But do you feel bothered about this? Are you supposed to feel bothered about the fact that you're always a slave of Allah and that you want freedom? No. Because what do we say? Ultimate freedom is being a slave of Allah. Because you're free from all other hidden forms of slavery, right? Remember in the heart, there's hidden forms of slavery like love of money, love of or greed, right? Love of self, love, arrogance, all these things, right? For, for parents, sometimes their children can be like that center of their universe, which, which basically has become their, their s slave to, to their children, whatever the children say they do. And, you know, it's time for prayer, but no, 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 kids, kids, kids. Their entire life revolves around children. So what Allah here is telling us is come to me and you will have true freedom. And this relationship is a loving relationship. It's not a forceful relationship. So you're, doing, you're saying, Those people who are in Naeem and Amta, remember Naeem, what does Naeem mean? Eternal happiness and peace and joy, right? Ni'mah is a blessing that makes you happy. So Naeem is the path of happiness and inner peace. Okay? And you know, in another place, Allah says, فَمَنْ تَبِعَ Whoever follows my guidance, there will be no fear upon them, nor will they ever be sad. Okay? So fear and sadness, two emotions. Fear is linked with the future, always. 
fear of uh, will I pass or fail the exam? Will you know I get married or no? Will I get a promotion or not? Right or no? Yeah. It's always linked to the future. What about sadness? It's linked to the past, right? It's usually sadness of something that you did wrong in the past, a regret of something that passed. Maybe someone said something nasty to you in the past and you're still upset. So sometimes if you let sadness hang on for too long in your heart, you know what happens? It turns into anger. And then when, uh, when you become angry, then you start doing stupid things, right? You start hurting people with words, sometimes with your hands, and you start doing things that are you know, inappropriate. And so <coughs> what did Allah say? Whoever follows this guidance, this Surat al-Mustaqeem, will he ever have anything to fear in the future? Will he have anything to be sad of in the past? That means, will he ever be angry? No. I mean, you might have like a 10-15 minutes anger, but not excessive anger that lasts for years, where you're, you're fighting against your brother and you're not going to talk to him for years. It's not going to happen, okay? What's the opposite of fear? The opposite of fear. Bravery? Mm, it's before bravery. Like, you know, it's, it's dark. You're afraid. When I put the lights on, what happens? What's that called? Yeah, that's called peace, inner peace. Okay? And uh, sadness. What's the opposite of sadness? Happiness. So, what Allah here is saying between the lines that whoever follows my Surat al-Mustaqeem, he will have no fear upon them of the future, nor will he have sadness of the past, right? Which means what will they have? They will have inner peace and happiness. So that's Surat al-Ladheena an'amta alayhim. When can you get, and listen to this carefully, Allah is telling us, how can you get inner peace and happiness? It is when you are on Surat al-Mustaqeem, when you take action on the knowledge you have okay so you need knowledge of Allah and you need to take action that's the formula knowledge plus action equals happiness and inner peace and happiness and inner peace is the most precious thing all human beings want okay so Allah is telling us the key to get happiness and inner peace is guidance that's why you need to ask for it that's, that should be number one dua on your list and you're asking for it 17 times a day why? Because that's what's going to get you inner peace and happiness. Nothing else will. No matter how much money you have, no matter how famous you are, no matter how many girls like you, no matter how many followers you have on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, inner peace and happiness can only come from Surat al-Muslim, from guidance. Okay? And it's knowing Allah and, and living a life of a slave of Allah. It's accepting that uh, summary of the Qur'an, right? Accepting Allah as your master and accepting yourself to be His slave and you need to do this lovingly so I'll rephrase that the summary of the Quran is lovingly accepting Allah as your master and lovingly accept yourself as a slave the word love is very important there because for a lot of people if you don't include love they'll be like I okay I'm a slave of Allah but I hate this job you know I'd rather watch movies or something you know but that's not what Allah, Allah wants us to do it lovingly so love is the connector between us and him it's love because he's a Rahman al Rahim and he's Malik Yawmuddin. He's extremely loving, caring, merciful, and he's extremely fair on the day of judgment with you. Right? Okay? But at the same time, listen, Malik Yawmuddin also should remind you whenever you say it in Salah, remember that life is a test. It should remind you that life is not for playing and entertainment only, life is a test. There's accountability. Malik Yawmuddin means there's Yawm Al-Qiyamah. There's a day of judgment. It should also remind you of death. Because, you know, for us, when, we're all, when, we're, when will our day of judgment start? It'll start the moment you die, right? Because from the moment you die till the moment Yawm Al-Qiyamah starts, it's going to be like, you know, the time between Dhuhr and Asr prayers. It's going to pass like that, yeah. So what should we be more concerned about? The day of judgment or death? Death, yeah. And can that come anytime? Yeah. Is it a depressing topic to talk about? Yeah. People would rather talk about football than death, right? 
And that's what shaitan does. Shaitan keeps making us forget death. And people who don't have iman, they hate this topic. They, they tell you, please change the topic. Can we talk about something else, please? Can we turn on the TV and watch something else? Let's change the topic. Why? Because for those who are not prepared for death, for those who are not on Salat Mustaqim, they will be always afraid of death. But those people who are on the path of Salat Mustaqim, will they have anything to fear about death? No, because you're on Salat Mustaqim. And remember, you are Allah's slave. And He has promised to help you, remember? So you have nothing to be afraid about. Okay? That's why, this is another important point. How many times are we asking Allah to be on Salat Mustaqim? 17, 17 times every day. Why? Because so many people, they are on a Salat al-Mustaqeem, but sometimes they may go off track and die off track. Imagine you're on Salat al-Mustaqeem, but you die at the moment when you're off track. You're not on Salat al-Mustaqeem. Is that a high risk or low risk? It's scary, right? Like imagine your, your entire life, and the Prophet tells us there will be people like that, who their entire life they're doing good deeds, and towards the end of their life, shaitan goes alayhum, and they go off track, and they start getting into drugs and girls and women and cheating, and they start doing wrong things. Their entire life they're praying and you know, reading Quran and all this. But what happened? They lost guidance at the end. Why? Because maybe they stopped asking for guidance sincerely. And so they die on the wrong, on the wrong track. That is called Su al Khatima. That's called a bad ending. Does anyone want a bad ending? None of us want a bad ending. What do we want? A good ending. So, to get a good ending, do we know when we will die? Does anyone know when you'll die? So, when do you need to stop asking for guidance? Never. never. Thank you very much. Never ever, right? You can never ever say, Khalas, I don't need to ask for guidance. The moment you say that, you know that you have arrogance. You know that you're off track. You know that shaitan has gotten you. Okay? So that's why constantly, that's why Allah said, keep asking, keep asking. Guidance, 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 guidance. And part of guidance is that, Ya Allah, I want to die on this path. I'm, I want to die on this path. I don't want to die on the path of the wrong people. So, Sarat al-Ladina and Amtalim, the good people, what were their key qualities? What's the formula? Why, how come? Knowledge and? Action. Knowledge of Allah, action by being their slave. Right or no? Maghdub alayhim, where Allah said that they are, they've earned anger, right? Anger by who? Who's angry with these people, this group? Everybody. Everybody's angry with them. Not only Allah, the prophets, the angels, the people around them, their families. Okay? Why? What was their problem, if you remember from last class? What was the problem of Maghdubi alayhim? Why, why, why do they deserve anger? Because they, they had knowledge, but they decided to not take action. So I'll give you an example of Maghdubi alayhim, and then we'll talk about Dalim. So If I tell Abdullah, Abdullah, don't jump in the pool, there's no water in it. If you jump in it, you're going to break your leg. That's what happens, right? If you jump in an empty pool. So Abdullah, don't dive and jump into the pool. And I told him this. And I explained to him, listen, Abdullah, if you do that, you're going to break your leg. Okay? Now, if I go to, go to work and come back, and Abdullah has a cast on his leg. And I ask Abdullah, what happened? And he starts crying, Baba! <laughs> I jumped in the pool and I broke my leg. And I went to the doctor and they put the cast and it's going to be on for three months. How am I going to react? Am I going to be a bit angry at him? Yeah. But is that anger of hatred or anger of love? Yeah, I love him, right? And I'm upset that, why didn't you listen to me? I told you, don't jump in the pool. Right? But why don't you listen? Right? So, he had knowledge that jumping in the pool will cause serious damage. But did he act upon that knowledge? No. He decided to do his own thing. Okay? So that deserves anger. 
Um, so for Abdullah, why did he decide to jump in the pool? He had a desire to jump. Okay, so he put his desire above knowledge. And that's called shahawat, right? Shahwa. And, and, and Allah, like, you have to understand this very important point. Allah has built inside of us shahawat, desires. The desire to watch football, the desire to sleep, the desire to eat, desire to drink, the desire to get married and have relationships with the you know, opposite gender, right? These are desires that Allah has built inside of us. It's, it's human nature. So can we kill these desires? No. What does Allah want us to do? Control your desires. Okay, it's control. So it's, I usually give the example of, uh, have you guys ever done horse riding? No. Yeah. yeah? Okay, so in horse riding, there's a rider, there's a horse, and what do you have in your hands? Yeah, they call them the reins. Okay, reins. Who's riding the horse? You are, right? You're the rider, the horse is being ridden and the reins are in the control of the rider, okay? So Allah wants you to be the rider of your shahawat. Your desires are like the horse. If you let go of the reins, what's going to happen? The horse is going to go crazy. It's going to go after anything it wants and it's going to cause you serious damage, right? You might fall, right or no? Similarly, our shahawat, if we let go of the control, what's going to happen? You're going to hurt yourself, right? You're going to start seeing things that you're not supposed to see. Because has Allah restricted what we can see? Are there some bad things that we shouldn't be seeing? Yes. yes. Are there bad things that we shouldn't be hearing? Yes. Are there bad things that we shouldn't be drinking and eating? Yes. Are there bad places we shouldn't be going? Yes. Are there bad things we shouldn't be doing? Yes. So what does shaitan want? Shaitan wants you to follow your desires, follow your pleasures blindly, right? Do what you want, see whatever you want, say whatever you want, hear whatever you want, go wherever you want to go. And he calls that freedom, right? But once you go there, what, who's going to get hurt? You're going to get hurt, okay? In the name of false freedom. What does Allah say? No, 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 no. Follow my guidance. I've told you what the boundaries are. I've told you how you need to control what you see, where you go, what you say, what you hear, right? If you have the reins, you'll live a happy life of Surat Al-Na'im. So you can fulfill your desires. Like, can a Muslim eat a lot of stuff? Yeah, yeah except for what? Except for pork and yani, stuff, that's Allah, stuff that's not called on by Allah's name, right? Can a Muslim drink orange juice, mango juice, yeah. apple juice? Yeah, only alcohol we're not supposed to drink, right? What about going to places? You can go anywhere you want. You can go to a park, you can go to the movies, you go wherever you want, except where? Places where? Bad things are happening. You can see anything you want except things that are going to affect your iman, things that are bad, shameless, filthy stuff, disgusting stuff. You can say all sorts of good things, but don't lie, don't backbite, don't make fun, don't cheat. Okay, so watch your tongue. So that's, those are the reins that Allah has. And why did Allah put that, these controls, these boundaries? For whose benefit? For our own benefit, right? If we cross these boundaries, who's going to be harmed? We're going, to be bar- we're going to be harmed. So, al-maghdub alayhim, what do they do? They, put, they let the shahawat become the rider and they become the horse. They let the shahawat decide where they're going to go. Really, that's basically what it is. And, and what a- ends up happening, like Abdullah, you break your leg, right? You, you seriously cause yourself harm. Okay? So, another way to understand this is, you know, um, we're supposed to believe in Allah as one, right? So part of the oneness of Allah is called Tawheed, right? Believing in Allah as one. It means that Allahu Akbar, Allah is bigger than all your desires, right? So whatever Allah says is, is above your shahwat. Let's say you want to sleep, Allah says it's time for Fajr. Can you say, no, 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 I need to sleep? You wake up, you put your shahwat down. Allah is better. And in fact, by going to Fajr, are you going to feel better? Yes. yes. If you don't wake up for Fajr, who's going to f- be miserable all day? You, right? So, the maghlub alayhim, they put their shahawat akbar min Allah. Like a believer says, Allahu Akbar, right? 
the one مغضوب عليهم they say شهوتي أكبر من الله I I'll follow my desires it's bigger than Allah okay so that's that's the problem that's why there's so many Muslims today who don't pray why they can't be bothered they have shahawat that are more important for them watching TV is more important than praying they can't be bothered right um, so many Muslims they drink alcohol today right why shahawat is akbar than Allah right or no hmm Yes, yeah, so smoking is, uh, again, I mean, I don't want to say if it's halal or haram, but most consensus of ulama is that it's haram. Because you, it, your body is a gift from Allah, and you're slowly killing yourself, which is kind of like suicide, right? You have no right to kill yourself. So, uh, good, good point, very good point. Now, if you... <laughs> yeah, but you got to see it in a nice way. Yani. Don't say, Grandpa, you're maghdub alim, you're going to hell. Yeah. Yeah, you have to use hikmah and wisdom. But you know, if you gave like this, the smoker, if you gave him an exam about the harms of smoking, is he gonna is he gonna pass the exam? You think? Like very easy questions, like smoke does smoking causes cancer? True or false? They would they would probably pass, right? Ask any smoker, does smoking cause cancer? What are they gonna say? Yeah, yeah. but they do it anyway, right? So they have knowledge that smoking causes cancer, but do they act upon that knowledge? Why? Because what's more important than knowledge for them? Shahawat, their desires. Okay? They'd rather enjoy the smoke than worry about the knowledge of it. Okay? So they have knowledge, but they don't act upon it. That's shahawa. Another reason why people become maghdub alayhim, as we, call, we, we said it last time, arrogance. When you just have an ego issue. When you, and a lot of people, by the way, they don't pray because they have an ego issue. I don't need to pray. I have money, I have a car, I have a house. Uh, salah and going to the masjid is for poor people, it's for losers. Alhamdulillah, I'm happy with what I have. I don't need to go to pray to anybody. I don't need to do sajda to anybody. That's arrogance, right? And who was the first person who had this ego issue, an arrogance issue? Shaitan, right? Uh, when Allah commanded him to do sajda to Adam, he said, Abba wastakbara wa kana min al-kafirin. He refused. And he became arrogant and he became a disbeliever. So you see the, the sequence? Rejection. Rejection means you're not obeying Allah. You're not a slave anymore, right? Rejection. The moment you reject, the moment you say, no, this I won't do. Allah said, do it. You say, I won't do it. This is rejection. That leads to what? Arrogance. That leads to disbelief. Khalas. You're a kafir because you're, you're denying Allah's favors. You're denying Allah's rules. By the way, all of Allah's rules are favors for us. You need to see them as favors, not as like tough restrictions or tough rules. Always see Allah's rules as favors. Okay. So um, similarly, you know, the Jews of uh, of that time, of the time of the Prophet they also had an ego issue. Their books in the Torah it clearly mentioned, and their scholars know this very well. They knew that Muhammad is going to come. And a prophet named Muhammad is going to come and you need to follow him. They knew this. They had knowledge. But when he came from the children of Ismail, not from the children of Ishaq, what happened? What was the problem? Ego in the heart. Okay? Arrogance and ego in the heart. So the heart is a place for two very dangerous things. Arrogance and... Ego and arrogance are the same thing. What's the other one? Desires. Like the shahawat. Okay, the desires. That's also in the heart. Okay? Because the smoker, he has knowledge in his mind, but where's the problem? His heart. He, he feels like smoking. He enjoys it. He loves smoking. Exactly. He tastes good. It feels good. That's all in the heart, right? Feelings are in the heart. So, maghdub alim, are we clear about them? There's another third group that are maghdub alayhim. Those are the hypocrites. Hypocrites are, uh, they call, the, Allah calls them al-munafiqoon. Okay, munafiqoon. These are people who claim to be Muslim, but deep down inside they hate Islam. And they are jealous of the Muslims. And you know, the, the, head, of a, the head of the hypocrites, his name was Abdullah ibn Ubay. He was going to be the leader of Medina, the king of Medina. Just a few days before he was going to be announced the king of Medina, 
the Prophet ﷺ came and he did hijrah. You know the migration from Mecca to Medina. So when the Prophet ﷺ came, what happened to the Abdullah bin Ubay's plan of becoming a king? It got cancelled, right? So all the money he was going to make, all the power he's going to get, what happened to all of that? Not king, but he became the, the leader of Medina. And obviously this meant that Abdullah bin Ubay's plan was over, right? So, so Abdullah bin Ubay, deep down inside, he had a big grudge and jealousy and hatred for the Muslims. But on the outside, what did they say? They became Muslim. They used to pray in the masjid in the front rows and they used to be Hafid Qur'an. They were all like acting like Muslims, but deep down inside, they wanted to kill the Prophet They even conspired with the Jews and the kuffar of Quraysh to kill the Prophet That's how messed up the munafiqoon are. And Allah talks about munafiqoon in a very scary way. He says, That the hypocrites are in the lowest levels of hellfire. They're worse than the kuffar even. Because you know, a kafir, he openly says, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in Qiyamah, I don't believe in the Prophet. What do the munafiqeen do? They're lying. They're saying in the outside, yeah, we believe, yeah, we, we're believers, we're mu'mins, they're praying. But deep down inside, they hate your guts. They want to break you apart. Big thing, it's big. They're, they're, and why do they do this? Because they're, they're cowards, right? They're cowards. And they always want to be on the winning team. That's why they're called munafiqun. Because when they see the Muslims winning, they act like they're Muslims because the Muslims are winning. When it's time to fight in the battles, what do they do? They come up with excuses. You know, my stomach is paining. I'm sick. I don't feel well. Why? Because they're cowards. They don't want to fight, right? And when the disbelievers are winning, they go with the disbelievers. So it's like, you know, nafaq is a tunnel. They go with the winners always, right? Whereas believers, they stick with the Prophet ﷺ in good times and tough times, right? Why? Because this is a test of Iman, right? Yeah. Even if you lose, you stick, right? In Ghazwat Uhud, the, the Munafiqun, they ran away. Like 200 or 300 of them, they ran away. Like they betrayed the Muslims. And they were evil. They spread, they spread rumors about the Prophet's wife, that she committed zina, like adultery. Huh? Uh, zina, which is basically uh, the relationship between a husband and wife outside of marriage when you cheat on your wife or your husband okay uh, that's called zina it's a pretty serious crime and it's a pretty serious allegation to make on the wife of the prophet and she's our mother by the way like ummahatul mu'minin right she's our mother imagine someone accusing your mother of having an affair how do you feel you know what an affair is like your mother cheating on your father with another guy Sleeping with another guy. Yeah, you'd be upset, right? How dare you talk about my mom like that? So, so Munafiqun, they spread this rumor in Medina about, um, you know, Aisha having this thing going on. Okay. So anyway, Munafiqun are also maghlubi um, alayhim, right? Why? Because they have an issue, right? For them, it's about their own safety, their desires, their desire to be safe. To, yeah, they want to be with the winning team. So we talked about the Jews being maghdubi alayhim. We talked about, um, by the way, even kuffar of Quraysh, why were they maghdubi alayhim? Did they know that this is the true message? Why? What was the problem? Exactly, exactly. It's again a shahawat issue, right? The love of leadership, the love of power, the love of control and authority and money. You know how much money they were making with the hajj, people coming in, a lot of business, right? That would all be gone. All of that money was going to Baytul Mal, right? For the Muslims. And so the shahawat was the problem. So that's maghdub alayhim. You see how dangerous it is? And, and by the way, a lot of Muslims can fall into this hypo hypocrisy because hypocrisy is internal. You can't, you can't see someone and say, hey, that guy's a hypocrite. Because it's, it's hidden, right? He's probably praying in the masjid. He's reading Quran. He seems righteous, right? Seems. But what's, what happens deep down inside? We don't know that. So we can never judge anybody. But it's a serious problem when you 
don't, don't be a slave of Allah when you're not obeying Allah and you claim to be a Muslim. That you can earn Allah's anger, right? And become part of that. Now, who is a Dhalin? Another group. Dhalin, their problem is the flip side of Maghdub. Remember, they had knowledge and they took action. Maghdub, they had knowledge, but they didn't take action because of something in their heart, either shahawat or arrogance. Dhalin. They took action without knowledge. So they were doing a lot of things, but no knowledge. Okay? And, and to summarize this, Baalin are lost people. You know when you're driving, but on the wrong track. And you think you're right. Because of what? Exactly. No, no, I know where I'm going. I know, trust me. But it's based on what? It's based on no knowledge. It's based on false knowledge or we can call it ignorance. Opposite of knowledge is ignorance, right? When you don't know stuff. Okay? So ignorance is basically um, two things. One of two things. Ignorance could be either no information or, or wrong information. Ignorance can lead from no information or wrong information. So for example, someone is not praying. You ask him, uh, brother Khalid, why aren't you praying with us, bro? He says, prayer? What do you mean prayer? What's salah? What's Surah Al-Fatiha? I don't know what you're talking about. And he seriously doesn't know. He's never heard what salah means. His parents never told him. His teachers never told him. So this guy, he's classified where now? No information, right? So, do we blame him? No. Uh, to some extent, yeah, maybe, because, you know, you're so, where were you all, all this time? Yani? How come you didn't read? Allah gave you a mind. He gave you the ability to read, right? The ability to ask questions. What was the first ayah to re reveal to us? The first ayah that was revealed to? Yeah, Iqra. See? When we read, ignorance will go away. When we don't read, we become ignorant and we go lost. You see that? So that's why Iqra is such an, like Dhalin is such an important category to be careful of. Because Dhalin is a problem of heart or what? Mind. Because knowledge is where? It's in the mind. So Allah is talking to two groups here. A group that had a problem in the heart, which was arrogant and shahawat. And the other one was what? A problem of the mind which is ignorance. And so, if you go and um, look at the Christians, okay, the Christians, do they have action? They have a lot of action. They, you know, some of the most charitable organizations in the world are the Christians. If you go to African poor countries, who are the most people giving charity and helping feeding the poor? and Christians. They're called Christian missionaries. They spend millions if not billions of dollars in charity every year. So there's a, is there action or no? Yes. Action. But do they have the right knowledge? No. They have the wrong knowledge. Now this is the other type of ignorance. Remember, one was no information, the other one was what? Wrong, wrong information. So what happened? How come they have wrong information? Because they follow which book? The, the Injil, right? The, the Bible. Right? That was their book. That was the book of Isa salam, the Injil. After Isa salam died, what happened to the Injil? The, the leaders of the, the Banu Israel, the leaders, the scholars, they changed the book. They removed the ayat that are difficult, they added stuff, they corrupted it a bit. Okay? Why? Because they had a control issue. Because very similar to... Um, you know, the Maghdubi alayhim, the leaders, the scholars, you know, scholars have power or no? Yeah. Yeah, they have influence, they have followers, right? Now, this, the scholars of Bani Israel, this goes... Why did Bani, um, Bani Israel... Why did Bani Israel? Yes, so Musa alayhi salam and Isa alayhi salam's people were the same. They were both Bani Israel. Okay? So Musa alayhi salam came with a message, the Torah. After Musa Isaim died, what did the, the leaders of Banu Israel do? What did the scholars do? They changed the message. So Allah had to send another prophet. Who was he? Isa He came with another message, the Injil. 
Who, tr who actually tried to kill Isa alayhi salam? Bani Israel. The scholars of Bani Israel tried to kill Isa alayhi salam. They were corrupt deep down inside. They were maghdubi alayhim. Okay? They uh, kept rejecting messages over and over again. Because you have to remember, uh, a, ch a church system, okay, there's a lot of power. Like the Pope, does he have power or no? He has money, he has power, he has influence. Now if a messenger came out today and said, you know what? Don't believe this church system, it's all wrong, it's all corrupt, it's all a business. It's all fake, come and follow me. What's going to happen to all the business of the church and the Pope and the scholars and the rabbis and the priests? What's going to happen to that? It's all going to go. Their, their power is going to go. Their influence is going to go. Money is going to go, right? So to, to keep their influence and power and money, what did they do? They changed their books and they killed their messengers. You see how corrupt it is? It's extremely dirty game. Yani, okay? And so they kept killing their prophets. They kept changing the message to make people get lost. And so now if you ask anyone, do you believe in Jesus being the son of God? They say yes. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Yes. Do you believe in the Trinity? They say yes. That they have all these messed up beliefs that's based on books, that's based on information, but is it the right information or wrong information? Wrong, wrong information. Okay, very good question, very good question. Good question. So, you have to remember, when Allah talks about the kuffar in the Qur'an, right? He doesn't talk about... Exactly, very good point. So, when Allah talks about the kuffar in a very bad way, right? In a very, like, scary way, that they'll go to Nar and they're destroyed, and maghdubi alayhim, He's talking about that specific group of people who knew the truth, but they rejected it intentionally because they had shahwat. They had power, greed, they wanted money. They, so they knew the truth, but they rejected it anyway because they were, they were corrupt and evil inside. You get it? Okay. So Allah is talking about that the cream. I'll give you another example. Okay. Of, um, there are certain sects in the Muslim world also. Okay. Where people like in the name of Islam, they hit themselves, right? They torture themselves with swords. They, they try to kill people with molotovs and with, they burn tires and they cause all sorts of um, corruption on earth, right or no? Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. So now, these people, who are they following? No, but who are they following? They're following their, their so-called leaders, right? So they have knowledge, and they, do they have action or no? Yeah, of course. But it's based on what kind of information? Correct information or wrong information? Wrong information. So that's what, happen when, that's what happens when you follow someone blindly. Okay? The church of the Christians, what did it keep telling the people? Follow us blindly. Don't read the Bible. You guys are dumb. You're stupid. Don't read the Bible. What did Allah say to us? The first thing, what did He tell us? Read. Educate yourself. And this is a lesson for you guys, inshallah, for the rest of your lives. Okay? Don't ever, ever, ever follow anybody blindly. That's not what Allah wants. Allah gave you a mind. He gave you the ability to think. This is a gift. He gave you the freedom of choice. And He gave you the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. Okay? And He gave you intelligence. He wants you to be intelligent. He wants you to be someone who reads for yourself, ask questions, uh, think, reflect, okay, all of these things. That's why the Quran is our guidance, right? We're not people who follow personalities. Even me, I'm, I'm even telling you, don't follow everything I say blindly. Now, you need to go and check your resources. You can never trust anybody. Because, you know, even the people who blow themselves up and kill innocent people in the name of Islam, do they have action? But it's based on what kind of information? Wrong information. Some sheikh somewhere 
quoted them an ayah out of context. Maybe he quoted them a hadith out of context. So they have information, but it's wrong information. And when you follow someone blindly without the correct information, go off track. Yes. So, Dalin, when you read it in Salah, it should remind you, Ya Allah, make me of those who have knowledge and give me the guidance to act upon my knowledge. Because this is another important point. What's more important, knowledge or guidance? What's more important? Guidance is more important. Because you know, you could have knowledge, but if you don't have guidance, are you going to be on Salat al Mustaqim? No, you're going to be from, you're going to be from who? Maghdoob alayhim, right? Because you have knowledge, but you Allah didn't give you the hidayah or the tawfiq to act upon it, right? So guidance is, that's what we're making dua for. We're not saying, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Rahim, Malik, Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu, Iyaka Nasta'een, Allimna Surat Al-Mustaqeem. What are we saying? Ihdina Surat Al-Mustaqeem. So Allah is teaching us, yes, knowledge is important, but... What you need to ask for is guidance. I'll give you another example to make this very clear. You have a, a boy named Khalid. Okay? And another boy named Ahmed. Khalid doesn't know anything about Islam. Right? He just knows that you're supposed to pray, you're supposed to be honest and kind and loving and good to your parents. Okay? So he's doing basic stuff. On the other hand, you have Ahmed who has memorized Quran, he's like studied Sharia and Islamic studies, and he knows the seerah and everything. But he has an ego issue and he shows off his knowledge. And he always makes fun of people who have no knowledge and he starts making fun of them. And he, he goes to his parents and, and tells them in a very bad attitude that, you know, you guys, you guys are kuffar, you guys are munafiqoon. Who is better in the eyes of Allah? Khalid or Ahmed? Khalid, right? Who had more knowledge? Ahmed had more knowledge. But who had guidance? Khalid, right? You see? So knowledge can sometimes actually become dangerous because if, if you don't have guidance, because it can lead you to become Someone who has an ego. By the way, did Iblis, did Shaitan have knowledge? Yes. Shaitan, on the outside, he had so much knowledge that Allah gave him access to the heavens. He was not an angel, by the way. He was a jinn. He was a leader of the jinn. But he had so much knowledge and he appeared to be righteous and pious, right? Yani someone who is muttaqi. Until Allah upgraded him to the level of Jannah. But then ego came in. Jealousy came in. And by the way, this jealousy and feeling that you're better than others, this is the reason why the first murder was committed on earth. What's the first murder that was committed on earth? The children of Adam, right? Do you guys know the story? Qabil killed Habil. The two sons of Adam. There was an incident, you can read about it inshallah because time is finished. But uh, the two brothers, out of jealousy, one brother killed the other brother. Qabil killed Habil. Okay? And it's mentioned in the Quran, the story in Surah Al-Imran. Out of jealousy, because, you know, uh, his uh, sacrifice was accepted and, and Qabil's wasn't accepted. In another narration, they said his wife was more beautiful than his wife. And so out of jealousy, basically. Okay? So Dalin are people who have action without knowledge. And Dalin can also be people who have no knowledge and no action. They're just like zombies. Are there other people like that? Yeah. They have no clue what's going on. They're just playing video games all day, you know, eating junk food, watching movies, uh, watching football. They have no clue what's happening in the world. No action, just lazy people doing nothing, maybe doing drugs, whatever, like complete zombies. Okay? So that, those are lost people who have no direction. A believer, if you ask him, what do you want to do, do when you grow up? You should, you should think about it from now. You guys are young. But from now, you guys need to think about, what do I want to do with my life? Where am I heading? Like, what is, what is it that I want to do with my life? What is something meaningful I want to do with my life, right? Lost people are people who just, for them, life is just about eating, drinking, sleeping, dying. 
that's lost. You're, lost. You're like an animal, right? You have no goal in life. You have no purpose of life. Whereas a mu'min, he thinks about these things. He thinks about how he's going to make this world a better place. How he's going to help people. How he's going to live a meaningful life. Okay? So that's what direction is about. And so, dhalin are people who have no direction. They're just lost completely. Yeah. Shaitan is like controlling them by remote control. Right? No GPS system. Completely lost. And they think they're on track. So you see the importance of knowledge also? Yeah. And the dangers of ignorance? So you guys need to be people who constantly learn. And you know, knowledge here doesn't only mean school knowledge, right? This is, school knowledge is called worldly knowledge. You guys are going to study 12 years of high sc school, then you're going to go to college maybe, or whatever, right? Is that all that knowledge is? There's two types of knowledge, remember this, and we'll end with that, inshallah. There's worldly knowledge, which you go, all will get, inshallah. And you're going to get some of the best worldly knowledge, because you're going to great school, inshallah, your parents can afford to put you into great colleges. So you're going to get a lot of worldly knowledge that's going to give you money, and maybe a nice job and a good business, right? Is that all what knowledge is? Does knowledge stop at that? What's the other type of knowledge? Yeah, the knowledge of guidance. The knowledge of guidance. This hidayah, right? Because, you know, when you say, mustaqim, It's not like some box is going to come flying down from the sky that has, you know, a sticker on it called hidayah that you're going to get. What is hidayah at the end of the day? Yeah, it's, it's stuff that you're going to learn, right? And what's the primary source of guidance? Quran. And what's the practical source of guidance? The life of the Prophet Muhammad Okay, So these two like actually comp complete each other. So if there was one homework I would give you for the rest, for the coming two, three years of your life, or even 10 years of your life, is connect yourself with the Qur'an and with the life of the Prophet If these two are a part of your daily life, not weekly life, daily life, then inshallah, you will be guided and you will live a life of success, inner peace and happiness guaranteed, inshallah. Because it's a promise from Allah, it's not my promise, right? And I'm telling you even success, wallahi, like I'm telling you from personal experience, uh, yani, alhamdulillah, I, I got on this path of sat, yani, inshallah, Salat al-Mustaqeem and reading the Qur'an and studying the Qur'an. Wallahi, the more I got connected with the Qur'an, the more Allah made me successful in dunya. I kept getting promotion after promotion after promotion. I kept getting smarter and smarter. My relationships with my families kept getting better and better and better. My salary became better, better, better. Start driving a nicer car. You know, affording more and more investments. Wallahi, I'm not kidding. You want successful? You want success in dunya? Get connected to the Quran, inshallah. Allah will give you the best of both worlds, the best best of dunya, and in akhirah, inshallah. So, what are the two things you need to connect with if you want guidance, inshallah? Quran and the biography of the Prophet, like study his life. Who was he? How, was he? how did he live his life? What kind of manners did he have? What kind of characteristics did he have? What kind of decisions did he make? What kind of attitude did he teach the Sahaba? How was he as a human being? Exactly, yeah. Because that's, that's a practical example of the Quran, right? Like someone asked his wife, Aisha, how, how was the characteristic of the Prophet? So she said, His characteristic was the Quran. Like a walking Qur'an. And so he's not alive among us, but his seerah or his biography is alive, right? You could pick up, there's thousands of books written on his life. Just, you know, pick up any book uh, and study. And if you don't want to read books, watch, watch a YouTube video on it, you know? There's so, so many people who've done um, lectures on this on YouTube. Guy, he went with him and then the guy told him, 
don't ask me whatever I do, don't ask me why I did it. Yeah, yeah. And you kill like a boy and something. Yeah. Okay, so your dad was telling you stories. Ah, you remind me of a very important point. Um, you know, there, I'll share with you an ayah, okay? Allah talks about certain group of people who will be burning in the hellfire. Okay, listen to this and we'll end because we're already done. Allah talks about the group of people. Allah says, يَوْمَ تُقَلَّبُ وُجُوهُهُمْ فِي النَّارِ On the day of judgment, these people, their faces will be turning in the hellfire. يَقُولُونَ يَا لَيْتَنَا أَطَعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهَ They will say, We wish that we followed Allah and His Prophet. وَقَالُوا رَبَّنَا إِنَّا أَطَعْنَا سَادَتَنَا وَكُبَرَاءَنَا فَأَضَلُّونَ السَّبِيلَ And they will, they will in regret say, Ya Allah, O oh our Master, we followed our leaders and our you know, Sadatana means our, like our leaders and Kubara'ana, our scholars and in some, some cases our parents and our ancestors. فَأَضَلُّونَ sabila, And they made us go off track. So one of the excuses uh, that the kuffar of Quraysh had in rejecting the message was what? We're not going to believe in one God. Our parents have all been worshipping idols. How can I go against what my parents say? I had a housemate like this once. She's a she was a Hindu, okay? Uh, Hindu. Like a, her religion was Hinduism. That's a religion. They worship idols and stuff, okay? El Indians, yani most most a lot of that's the majority religion in India. Although there's hundreds of millions of Muslims also in India, but the majority religion. Mashallah. Good. Great, great. So this maid of mine, uh, I sat with her, I convinced her about Islam, right? She's like, Khalas, I'll become a Muslim. And she took Shahada in front of me. But then like the next day, she was crying. I was like, what's, what's going on? I came back from work. She's like, you know, I spoke to my, my husband and, you know, my family. They didn't accept what I'm doing. So I've decided to cancel. I'm not going to become Muslim again. So now who is she following? The truth or her parents and her family? That's also causes dalal, right? So sometimes when you get stuck and you say, I'll follow just my parents and whatever they say. And yeah, so she became, uh, she went back to her religion of Hinduism. She, didn't, she decided to reject the truth. She decided to be from Dalin, basically. I explained to her, but again, for some people, it's just too difficult to go against your parents. Is it easy to tell your parents, you know, like imagine like you were born as a Christian and you found out about Islam. Is it easy? Like put yourself in her shoes. Is it easy to tell your parents, you know, I've decided to become Muslim. I really want you to become Muslim. But if you're not going to become Muslim, I'm still going to become Muslim. And, you know, I might have to also stop eating your food because it's not halal for me anymore. I'm going to stop going to the places you guys go to. I might have to move out of the house. And they might get so upset at you, they might kick you out of the house. But that's the test, right? At that, at that moment, do you say, I'll stick to the truth no matter what? Or do you become weak and you say, you know what? No, 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 I'll go back to my parents. I don't want to make them upset. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Right? Is Allahu Akbar or are your parents Akbar? Right? So it's, for some people, it's not easy. Yani. And for us, it's easy because we're born Muslim. But when you put yourself in their shoes, it's not easy. Yani. It's a big sacrifice. So we should be grateful that Allah has made us uh, you know, born Muslims. We didn't have to go through that um, difficulty, right? So anyway, we're done. Uh, inshallah, yani, I hope it was beneficial. And um, inshallah, after summers are over, we will continue having these Wednesday sessions. Usually we have them between Maghrib and Isha every week, once a week. So you know, it's the, the idea there is to keep you connected with the Quran, with good messages, good... No, no, we're going to do random topics, inshallah. But the idea is you want to be connected somehow, right? And uh, keep getting that knowledge, keep, keep being reminded, because shaitan's going to mess you up in the summer. Yani. You guys know this, right? Yeah, he's going to make you forget. He's going to make you this and that. So on an individual level, continue your journey, right? With the Quran, with 
uh, you know, the life of the Prophet Keep listening to stuff. Talk to your parents about this stuff. Uh, YouTube is great. You know, Halal Tube. There's a good website called Halal Tube where you get all these good lectures and stuff. So keep listening to these good things to remind yourself of this. And uh, if you want, you're more than welcome to join our group. Uh, you know, about 10, 15 guys come every Wednesday. Uh, we're going to start with the school, uh, inshallah, season, which is September. So come and join us, inshallah. Yani. Um, and, you know, part of the benefit is also the good company, right? Being good around good company, inshallah. So, um, and I told you the, the Fatiha video is on YouTube if you want to refresh yourself. But practice it in your salah. Practice internalizing these lessons in salah. And we'll see you, inshallah, after summer. Have a great summer. And it was nice having you here. Um, please take a box and a drink on the way out, inshallah. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanakallah. Bihamdik. Nashirun la ilaha ilaha. Nashakfirun tubu alaykum.